Hello and welcome to our new CM Life Science series, Diagnostics Digest. Here we'll discuss trends and insights into the diagnostics market with industry leaders from across the globe. I'm today's host, Adam Hargreaves, and my focus here at CM Life Science is within the IVD market. Today I talk with Dennis Merkler, the CEO and Global Head of Biopharma Business Development at Predison, an innovator in the global molecular insights. Whether you're in a diagnostics industry or want to hear insight from a leader with over 20 years experience, there's something in here for everyone. Here it is. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, great to have you on, Dennis. Um, if you don't mind just quickly introducing yourself to, to everyone and, and hopefully we can get started with all, all things liquid biopsy. Yeah, thanks, Adam. And yeah, absolutely. My name is Dennis Merrickler. I'm currently the global head of the biopharma business and the CEO of Predison Europe for Predison Incorporated, a molecular insights company based out of Silicon Valley in California. Um, you know, I have a, a long history in molecular oncology and precision medicine. I did my PhD in DNA double strand break repair at the University of Calgary in Canada. So you might hear my Canadian accent come through. <laughs> um, I then went on to be an Alexander von Humboldt fellow at the Technical University of Dresden for my postdoctoral fellow fellowship. And then I, I joined industry where I worked at Philips Research for several years, also in molecular diagnostics, oddly enough. I know a lot of people still think as Philips as, uh, you know, they make shavers and televisions. <laughs> But uh, back in the early 2000s, they, they invested quite heavily in molecular medicine, and we built a prototype random access PCR platform that eventually did come to market and is now on market by a company called Biocardis, and that's the Adela system. So again, a completely automated lab and a cartridge um, random access PCR platform. <clears throat> I then <clears throat> had the opportunity to move into the commercial end of things. I worked at Abbott Molecular in their EMEA division for several years, mm -hmm. launching companion diagnostics with pharma partners. And probably one of the most rewarding projects of my entire life was the ALK companion diagnostic for the ALK targeted therapies, Alcori non-small cell lung cancer. You know, this was really in my, in my understanding, and I'm happy to be proven wrong, but this was really the first time that a diagnostic company and a pharma company really co-developed and co-submitted a diagnostic drug, um, you know, companion to the FDA for approval. Right. Um, after that, I was really fortunate to move to the other side of the fence. So I joined pharma. Um, I worked for Merck AGAA, known as EMD Serono in the United States and Canada. Um, also in a commercial function in their, in their metastatic colorectal cancer oncology business franchise, Airbitux, uh, which is an anti-EGFR monoclonal antibody. So I really got to learn a lot about the drug business and life cycle management of mature pharma products. We launched the world's first RAS liquid biopsy uh, mutation assay, which was very rewarding. Um, and then we kind of took a step back and thought, like, shouldn't we kind of be doing this innovation earlier in our pipeline, not for a drug that's been on market for 10 years? So I got the opportunity to move back into R&D and lead the companion diagnostics team at Merck for several years. Uh, since then, I've held a, a role at Invite ArcherDX as a senior vice president for corporate development 
And yeah, as of January of this year, very excited to join Predison. So, you know, liquid biopsies in our DNA, <laughs> sorry for the pun. And yeah, we're just really excited at the potential just for patient benefit and just really bringing innovations to market and just really bringing the, the highest standard of care, the best hospitals, the best doctors, really to every, every living room is our grand mission. And um, yeah, it's really rewarding work. So uh, really pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And I, I hope that introduction wasn't, wasn't too overdone. No, perfect. I think that kind of gives everyone a, a really good insight into the steps you've done going all the way back to Phillips. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, just liquid biopsy, I know it's not new in the market, but I mean, for, for people who aren't that aware of the potential benefits or what it is, but do you mind explaining what liquid biopsy is? Um, people may know it from sampling blood, but I mean, I'm sure there's more context to it, which you could explain. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think to some degree it is a buzzword and it's really, I think, gained a lot of adoption over the last years, but it really is kind of what the words describe, a liquid, which is like a fluid-based biopsy. So in, in oncology, in cancer, when individuals have a tumor, and if we track this back 40, 30, 20 years, um, the gold standard is really to get a piece of the tumor so you've heard about this, you either surgically resect the tumor, if, if that individual or that patient is a candidate for surgery, <clears throat> if it's not too invasive, you know, and the tumor's in a location that can be surgically resected, you want to cut it out. Absolutely. And that's still a gold standard. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of metastatic diseases, um, stage four or beyond, that cancer is really spread systematically throughout the body. So you'll have a primary tumor, whether that's colon or lung or liver or wherever that may be, breast. But unfortunately, that tumor is now spread systematically throughout the body. You might have metastases in various organs throughout the body. And at that point, it no longer becomes feasible to resect all of these metastatic sites. So often what is done is a biopsy where a needle or surgically, or with an aspirate, you go in and to one of those metastatic sites or even primary tumor locations, and you obtain tumor tissue for pathological workup. And again, kind of gold standard is really understanding how do these cells that are of, let's say, for example, lung origin, compare to normal lung cells? How have they differentiated um, you know, how, how strange have they become? How foreign <laughs> have they become? And how have they spread beyond the border of that normal tissue, right? And that's really what that staging is from stage one, where it's still very much confined to the organ of origin, to stage two, kind of breaking beyond the normal boundaries, to stage three, spreading to lymph nodes, and stage four, spreading to distant sites, uh, beyond lymph nodes and, and tissue of origin. So liquid is really, you know, quite a aggressive innovation, I would say, over the last 10 to 20 years, where we've kind of determined, obviously, you know, we maybe take it for granted today here in 2022, but tumors grow 
they grow beyond their original tissue boundary. They vascularize, they grow their own blood vessels and tumor cells grow quickly. So they also have a high cellular turnover. In, in addition to that growth, they're also dying and shedding their contents into the surrounding regions. And that often includes blood and peripheral fluids. So what liquid biopsy kind of means is we can draw blood or any liquid that may make sense in the context of that disease. So again, for, for GU cancers, that could be urine. For uh, nervous system and brain tumors, that could be cerebral spinal fluid. For you know mouth, esophageal, um, head and neck cancers, maybe that's saliva. But any fluid that might be localized to where a tumor of origin is, one can expect that tumor contents maybe shed into that microenvironment, macroenvironment around the primary tumor. And with the advent of very sensitive technologies, we can actually distinguish molecules, whether they're proteins or nucleic acids like DNA and RNA from that tumor in that fluid around that original tumor. So you know, whereas the gold standard remains a tissue-based biopsy, so a surgical resection or a, you know, a needle inserting into an, a region of interest and really getting cells that belong to said tumor, a liquid biopsy is really, again, those, those um, liquid areas around the tumor where the tumor may be shedding its cellular contents into, and definitely by, by far the most pervasive and clinically relevant today is, is plasma from blood. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, you know, aggressive tumors vascularize and they shed their DNA. And, and again, everyone, every one of us, whether we have cancer or not, have DNA in our blood, just free floating around you know, whether I had a very aggressive exercise session this afternoon or whether my brother was angry and he punched me in the arm very hard if I had a car accident, there's any number of, of regular day events that can affect the amount of cell-free DNA floating in everyone's blood. And we all have it. It's all a background, right? But there's always a, a fraction of that in cancer patients that is tumor-derived and that's where you need these, these sensitive technologies to maybe detect that needle in the haystack. So you've got a background of normal DNA, and now we're looking for the tumor-derived DNA in that background of normal DNA. Great. No, I think the examples are really helpful as well. And I'm, it, there seems to be so much kind of interest, doesn't it? Just generally from the outside looking in, I think um, there's obviously a lot of benefits from it being non-invasive it's quite quick it's repeatable um yep. but is there any other reasons why there is so much interest in in this technology just from a, maybe a patient outcome absolutely right so tumors evolve over time they as they become more aggressive they the cells of origin de, we call it de-differentiation so i i you know kind of just to make it layman terms they just become very strange they stop looking like that tissue of origin and then obviously we have a whole arsenal of cancer therapies. And often those are really targeted at the genetic level. They may target a specific mutation in that cancer. And again, you shouldn't look 
at a tumor as one kind of disease, it's really got a, or contains therein a number of unique cellular po populations, right? They're really heterogeneous. So you start to treat a tumor with a specific kind of therapy that might be really effective against 50, 80, 90% of the cells in that tumor. But there's always going to be, unfortunately, and this is very unfortunate, a low level background of other cells that have a different genetic makeup that can kind of escape that targeted therapy or, or that specific um, type of therapy, right? And so if you kind of look at it as a heterogeneous spread of cells and you're killing 60% of them, then the other 40 who are not affected by that therapy can expand. And that's something called clonal expansion. And so kind of to come back to your question, where does liquid biopsy really have its value? You know, if a lot of our primary tumors are in locations that are quite dangerous to biopsy. I mean, sticking a needle into the lung is not uh, something for the faint of heart. It's very <laughs> invasive. It comes yeah. with a lot of potential side effects and it hurts patients, right? So obviously a patient with a first time diagnosis of lung cancer will say, yeah, absolutely biopsy me. But after they go through that procedure, considering the invasiveness and the, the pain maybe associated or the side effects associated to it, there's no guarantee that if and when that tumor progresses, which unfortunately, again, in the metastatic setting, it more than often does, that that patient will be willing to undergo such an invasive procedure again. But most patients are willing to have their blood drawn or yeah. to provide a urine sample, right? So as we treat tumors and hopefully get a good response, but again, unfortunately, often these tumors progress after several months or several years of therapy, then we want to take another look at the tumor. How has it evolved? Have the genetics changed? Are there now new mutations present that we can target with new therapies? And you know, it's always a risk to go invasive and cut out tissue or obtain tissue. And that's where liquid biopsy really differentiates itself. If you can just ask for a urine sample or a blood draw, and you can accrue said information, that's, you know, a real benefit to patients and opens up major avenues to planning new therapeutic regimes. And, and again, that's, that's something that from my experience, liquid biopsy really opened avenues. And I could probably talk for, for several hours about just colorectal cancer, yeah. but really understanding how the disease evolves under selective targeted therapies is extremely interesting and has really opened new avenues to say, re-challenge patients after taking them off a targeted therapy for a period of time. Um, and planning combination studies with novel uh, targeted agents based on resistant mechanisms that become more predominant at progression. So it's really exciting and it really kind of moves cancer into this from, from this death sentence that you've got metastatic disease, you probably have 10 months to live 
to, well, you know what, we're probably not going to be able to cure you, but if we keep switching therapies and keep monitoring and, you know, re-challenging, adding combinations, we treat it more as a, a chronic disease and, you know, provide longer outcomes for patients. Great. Now it's, it's really well put. I think a lot of people will go through this clearly. Um, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for companies to grow. And, and I, I know there's been a lot of kind of mergers in the past six to 12 months. So what opportunities do you think they are right now for this? If, if companies can really get through certain barriers, which I know we're going to talk through anyhow, um, but yeah, what opportunities are there in the market from a scientific point of view with certain tests? Um, is there any clear standout test at the minute, which is a little bit more further advanced? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. So like opportunities for growth are, are self-evident, right? Higher sensitivity. And we've really seen a great increase there. But obviously, um, multiplexed massive parallel type tests, so next generation sequencing, where you can look across hundreds of genes is really critical because again, tumors are very heterogeneous. As I said, they're not just one cell population, not just two or three, they're hundreds of different diseases. So you really need to look broad. And, and, and I mean, you can look in the literature, right? Resistance mechanisms. Let's say you have a non-small cell lung cancer that's EGFR mutated and you treat it with an anti-EGFR tyrosine kinase inhibitor you're going to see several different potential mechanisms of resistance, right? So you don't want to just look at one or two genes. You want to look broadly. So the opportunities really are at detecting that recurrence as early as possible. So that gets down to assay sensitivity. Um, and then also broad, like I said, parallel multiplex um, interrogation which comes down to NGS. And again, there's a lot of companies in the space working on this, yeah. but definitely some are better than others. And again, this kind of comes down to where are opportunities. And if, if I can kind of toot our own horn where I feel Predison plays a real important role here is when it comes to liquid biopsy, as opposed to tissue, looking at copy number variation can be very challenging. And again, that has to do, again, copy number variations, the number of genes you have in, in a sample, right? So we all get DNA from our mother and our father, and we all have, in a normal, healthy individual, we have two copies of every gene, one from papa, one from mama, right? And in cancer cells, you often have something called gene amplification, which means you will have several copies of a gene of interest. Probably the most famous is the HER2 gene in breast cancer um, and the Herceptin drug that, that Roche developed. So a lot of breast cancers have an amplification or an overexpression of the HER2 gene, meaning you may have more than two normal copies of this gene. You may have several. You may have a, a two to one ratio of HER2 to your normal chromosomes, and it may be up to 10 to one. Um, it depends. Right. So in tissue, that's pretty easy to look at. You can kind of do in situ hybridization methods and really look at how many copies of the chromosome do I have? And then how many copies of the gene do I have to that chromosome? So you're really counting. But again, as I kind of alluded to earlier, the challenge in blood or liquid 
is that you have a, a high background of normal DNA that is constantly fluctuating from day to day within individuals. And then you also have a fraction of that in cancer patients that is tumor derived that can also fluctuate from month to month, depending on what therapy you're on, how aggressive your tumor is. So then the question becomes, if you do say have gene amplifications that are going beyond those two copies of the gene, how reliably can you detect them if you say have three copies, four copies above a background of a normal two, right? So it becomes a signal to noise challenge. And, and that's why in liquid biopsy, for example, copy number variation has been a very challenging topic. And it's not just gains in copies, you often have deletions in the cancer genome, which means to a loss of copy. It could be monoallelic, which is you lose, say, mama's copy or papa's copy, or biallelic, you can lose both copies in, in, the, in the genome. And how do you distinguish that from a normal background of two, right? So that's an area where I believe Predison has really done a lot of great work and really built out the, the ability to look at copy number variations in the liquid biopsy format. Again, that's just kind of one example, but that's where I really see the opportunities is being on par with tissue in terms of sensitivity. Um, again, a lot of patients don't have much tissue available from their tumor biopsy especially if it's a needle-based biopsy, like we often see in lung, you may really get this tiny several millimeter core needle tissue section. And then you need to run a whole gamut of different molecular tests on it. You'll do some IHC to distinguish squamous from non-squamous. You'll do a bunch of mutation tests, EGFR, ALKROS1, right? And then often there's no tissue left to really do broader genomic profiling. And that's really where the liquid sample comes into play. It can often open a whole new avenue. Because again, no one really doubts when we detect a targetable mutation in liquid biopsy. The concern more is if we don't see anything with liquid biopsy, did we miss it? And again, that comes down to the sensitivity. So the opportunities are really, again, providing patients further avenues for molecular testing and finding targetable therapeutic options yeah. for repeated biopsy. How is their tumor evolving? And after you've gone through a course or two of therapy, can we find novel avenues to treat the patient? And then finally, like, can we get the liquid biopsy not as sensitive necessarily, but on par with tissue so that we know we can look at the, the whole gamut of alterations from copy number variation to indels, to single nucleotide polymorphisms, to gene fusions, and reliably detect those in case, say, tissue is not available. Great. Now, thank you for that. And I think... Um... Naturally, there'll be a lot of <laughs> cynics or uh, people questioning um, why this is needed. Uh, I think sure. you've made a very strong argument for the reasons for it.
So, that was my Diagnostics Digest with Dennis Merkler, the CEO of Europe and Global Head of Biopharma Business Development at Predison. I'd like to thank Dennis again for his time and the insight he provided on a liquid biopsy market. I hope anyone who is interested in any of the topics we discussed during the podcast could gain some valuable perspectives from his role across the industry. In the rest of the series, the team will continue to discuss key trends and topics within the wider diagnostics market with global industry leaders. Please subscribe to be notified when more episodes become available. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Adam Hargreaves. Bye for now.